Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon us this day. The scripture is read as your word is proclaimed. We might hear with faith and receive with joy what you would say to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning's readings are full of ominous warnings. Trial, tribulation, suffering. Prophet Daniel hears an angelic messenger describing a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Jesus in Mark's gospel picks up and echoes Daniel's message. In those days, there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And the letter to the Hebrews reminds its hearers that they've already endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. Not exactly a cheerful beginning. It is an attention-grabbing beginning. But it's not immediately obvious what Jesus or the angelic messenger want to do with our attention now that they have it. If you look back at the beginning of Mark chapter 13, Jesus tells his disciples that a time is coming when not one stone of the temple will be left on top of another. And they're astonished. They ask, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Daniel wants to know the same thing. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And both questions receive an answer. But it's a mysterious answer. It's an answer that arguably raises at least as many questions as it lays to rest. The angel swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. Some of you may sympathize. I said, O Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. This divine revelation seems to conceal as well as revealing. Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And Mark inserts an authorial comment, let the reader understand. Thank you, that's very helpful. Uh, I don't. (laughs) Now, in one sense, the original readers do seem to understand. In AD 70, about 40 years later, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies and the temple stones, in fact, are about to come crashing down, Christians see it coming and they make their escape. They believe that Jesus' prophecy is being fulfilled in their own day. And they aren't wrong to think that. But it seems clear that the depth of Jesus' words is not fully exhausted in that event. These answers remain mysterious. There's a hiddenness in the moment of revelation. Daniel is told that as time hastens on, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Knowledge shall increase. 
But first, he's commanded to shut up the words and seal the book until the time at the end. There are things we don't know, even as knowledge increases, perhaps even things we're not permitted to know. Later on in Mark 13, Jesus says, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And earlier on, he tells the disciples, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. These are just the beginning of birth pangs. The book still hasn't been opened. Let the reader understand effectively exposes the limits of our understanding. The invitation to interpret is sincere, but it's also effectively a warning against overinterpretation. And I think we need that warning because we hate being reminded that there are things we don't or perhaps can't understand. Because many of us have invested a quite significant part of our identity in our ability to understand things. And all of us know deep down that what we can't understand, we can't control. This is why Jesus has to warn his followers that false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Because we're sorely tempted by the entrancing possibility that somehow we can crack the code. We can puzzle it out. We can gain insight into what's hidden. We can peek into that sealed book before the time comes. And those who seem to offer that kind of insight have a dangerous ability to lead us astray. We don't want to know that there are things we don't or can't know. We especially don't want to know that there are things we don't know about suffering because we're afraid of trouble and trial and tribulation. We're afraid of being hurt. But more than that, I think we're afraid of the unfathomability of suffering. The fact that there's something about suffering we can never quite seem to fully understand. And so again, we turn to messiahs and false prophets looking for answers. You know that not all false messiahs and false prophets are obviously religious, right? Politics, psychology, medicine, technology, philosophy, the arts, they all have their signs and wonders, promises of deliverance. We can explain everything. We can deliver you from the unfathomability of suffering. We can keep you safe. These readings from Daniel and the gospel according to Mark present a revelation, but part of what they reveal, part of what they show us is something about ourselves. That we have a hunger to know, and that's not bad. But our hunger to know is all wrapped up with a desire for self-exaltation and self-protection, and self-direction, and control. And when our desire for knowledge is disordered, we fail to understand even the things we know. The angel tells Daniel, none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. 
those who are wise shall understand. Jesus warns his disciples against false prophets and false messiahs, but notice what he says next. Be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. Jesus, what are you talking about? You clearly haven't told us all things. You specifically inform us that you're not telling us all things. What, what does he possibly mean? I have told you all things beforehand. There's a hiddenness in Jesus' answer, but make no mistake, this is a revelation. There are things he wants his disciples to know, and not just to know, but to understand. He wants them to know what's going to happen. So they won't confuse true signs of the end with events that are only the beginning of birth pangs. So they won't be led astray by false claims about the fulfillment of prophecy or the Messiah's return. So they'll know how to recognize and pray on behalf of those who suffer the most from tribulation. To intercede now that it won't be as bad as it could be. Pray that it will not happen in winter, he says. And so they'll be prepared when the hour of judgment does come for Judea, for them, and be able to make their escape. He wants them to know what's coming, what's going to happen. But more than that, He wants them to know the God who knows what's going to happen. Who declares the end from the beginning, as Isaiah tells us. And from ancient times, things not yet done. The God for whom none of these strange and fearful events comes as a surprise. Jesus wants them to understand that trouble or trial or tribulation or suffering may be unfathomable for us, but they're not signs of God's absence. He says, if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. The Lord knows those who are his and he acts on their behalf. Mark 13, earlier in the chapter, foretells persecution from without and opposition and hatred even from within believers own families and households. But Jesus also says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're brought up on trial before judges, when you're accused. Because it won't be you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. You won't have to face that trial alone. Daniel 12 foretells the worst time of trouble in human history. But then the very next line, look, at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Daniel 12 is full of these ominous warnings, but it also offers what may be the clearest statement in the Old Testament of our hope and the Lord's promise for resurrection of the body. You, Daniel, shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Daniel doesn't ultimately have anything to fear. You see, when these scriptures talk about tribulation, they're always also talking about salvation. This is what Daniel and the disciples need to understand. Tribulation is where God's faithfulness will ultimately be revealed. That suffering is taking them to the very threshold of deliverance. 
What else could possibly explain what we hear from the letter to the Hebrews? These Christians have experienced deep reproach and affliction. It hasn't been easy. He says, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, and it's not over. They've had to accept the plundering of their property. But how do they respond to that loss? Well, how do we respond? Fear? Grief? Sorrow? Anger? Thoughts of vengeance? or despair, or shame. Maybe they felt some of those things. Shoot, maybe they felt all of those things. But that's not their fundamental orientation in the face of this loss, the plundering of their property. What does he say? You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew there's something they know, that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Their suffering is real, and Scripture doesn't downplay that, but it also reminds them and reassures them of something they know and have begun to understand, that God's faithfulness is revealed in the midst of tribulation. Suffering doesn't separate them from the Lord. Far from it, that suffering is taking them to the threshold of deliverance. The end hasn't arrived yet, but it's coming soon, and that's good news. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, Hebrews says, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So you won't despair and think you've been abandoned. So you recognize that these painful endings are also a beginning. That if these are birth pangs, that means that the arrival of joy is on the way. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. As it says earlier in the same chapter, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Friends, that's what we need wisdom to understand. We spend so much time trying to figure out what's coming, what's going to happen in our own lives, in the world, in human history. Or when things do happen that seem painful and unfathomable, we want to understand why. And these are not wrong questions. Daniel and the disciples ask questions and they get answers. What we need to know and understand is not just what or even why, but who. The God who is not absent, who won't abandon us, who does know and makes known his purpose and his promise. Jesus says, I have told you all things beforehand. I have told you all things beforehand so we won't be led astray by false teachers who claim to offer a way of safety, to open the books before it's time, to uncover the mystery. Because we know that knowledge without true spiritual understanding doesn't go deep enough. I've told you all things beforehand. So we won't lose heart in the face of our own troubles or trials because we know that this is where God's faithfulness will ultimately be revealed. I've told you all things beforehand. So we'll be spurred to intercede for those who will face even greater suffering when the end comes, whenever that day does come. I've told you all things beforehand. So we'll be on guard 
praying that these things may not happen in winter, in a season of fruitlessness. But as Hebrews says elsewhere, we'll stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Dearly beloved, know and understand this. He who promised is faithful. Yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. Your confidence has a great reward. These sufferings are taking us to the very threshold of deliverance. May God grant us endurance so that when we have done the will of God, we may receive what is promised, a better possession and an abiding one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.